If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Call's cloud business phone service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. That is right. You are listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. And yes, 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 I am your host, Todd Huff. Email Todd at ToddHuffShow.com. Questions, thoughts, opinions, feedback, whatever. Just don't waste your chance, folks. If you send in that email, make it count. (laughs) Make it count. And uh, always enjoy hearing from you. Do my best to respond as quickly and as thoroughly as possible. And so, you know, today, of course, last night we had uh, this, I don't know, this, uh, the, the next step in impeachment, right? The Democrats have dug their heels in. They've put on their sad faces. They've probably tweeted out some really sad emojis. They've probably put the frowny face in their emails, maybe that little emoji with a little teardrop coming out of the eye, which is pathetic, by the way, truly pathetic. You know, I I am open to alternative viewpoints and opinions. Even, you know, I'm not afraid of hearing things that I don't agree with. Some, I, candidly, candidly, I use these as opportunities when I hear people try to articulate places or areas that they disagree with me or where they think I'm wrong. I, I I view it as a learning opportunity, unless I'm dealing with someone who's just, I don't know, maybe childish, maybe maybe juvenile, maybe childish, maybe full of hate, rage, bitterness, all that kind of stuff, which is unfortunately what it turns to many times. But I'm open to to that. What I'm not what I'm not open to are outright lies and deceit. What I'm not open to is bad, bad, bad political theater. I understand, and this is one of the things the left doesn't like about Donald J. Trump, but I understand that there is a time for using uh, all the tools at your disposal, engaging in a little bit of political theater. I understand that there's there's a time for that. Unfortunately, the time for that for the radical left and for the media is always, it's always hyperbole, exaggeration, fear-mongering, all that kind of stuff. Phony outrage, phony tears. Nancy Pelosi's just so, so sad that she has to impeach. She has no choice but to impeach Trump. She's tried so long, so hard for three years to get along with this guy, and she is just left with no other solution. Cue the tear. Cue the tear. Right, the sobbing, 
I mean, we might as well have sobbing. We, we might as well. Let's just let's just take it to the next step. Let's just let's just seek to find politicians who are trained actors and actresses. These see, at least then it would be good political theater. At least then we would maybe believe some of this. This is totally unbelievable what we're dealing with. And so last night they went late into the night, continuing this uh, impeachment saga, letting folks have five min- uh, minutes to talk about you know the impeachment process and where they stand and sharing thoughts and opinions. And this gets, of course, heated. And this is not going any away anywhere soon. I, I saw too. I wasn't planning on talking about this. This is just what happens when I start talking about. I read a lot of things. I think about a lot of things, and I didn't expect this to come up, but I have it here. I have it here. Um, you know, we're we're at a stressful moment, and I know for some people, this is this is a lot to deal with. In fact, if you uh, believe what these studies tell us. There's a website called studyfinds.org, and they post studies of all sorts of things. But listen to this headline. Vexed voters, 8 in 10 Americans say politics are biggest source of stress in life. 80%, 80% of Americans say politics is the biggest source of stress in their, in their life. New survey, uh, there's a couple of other bullets here. Uh, reveals that nearly 7 in 10 adults say their lives have never been more stressful than now. Two-thirds of Americans say all this anxiety is making them less productive at work. Now, for those of you listening to me as you head into work this morning, this does not include you. This does not include you, certainly. I don't think that um, – I don't think that the – I don't know, the negative political coverage and this tension we face as a – as a nation here, as we determine very key decisions, as we make very key decisions, determining whether or not we move further towards government control, further away from liberty, further into debt, I think that you can separate these things, do your job well, and then when you go home, figure out how you can help to, to change that trajectory. And as I say that, there's some things that we're working on here, uh, some, some things that we're going to be doing to, to give you practical ways that, that you can get involved, there's some things that you can do to actually persuade people, to actually try to move the needle here. And so we'll be rolling some of that out as we get into 2020. But, but this is a, a high source of, of stress for people. <laughs> and it's everywhere, right? And I again, I go back and I hearken back to 2016. I remember hearing, I remember hearing people say, "I can't wait until the election's over so we can go back to normal." Folks, I am telling you, if you don't listen to anything else I say, which would be a bad decision, by the way, but nonetheless, if you don't listen to anything else I say today, listen to what I'm saying here. The left had entrenched itself. And this is what I want to talk about today. The left has so entrenched itself, the lovers of big government, whatever term you want to you want to give to them. Lovers of big government, the you know, big government, the radical left, and uh, the swamp, the deep state, whatever. These folks that have entrenched themselves and, and watched their tentacles expand into all aspects and area areas of your life, of my life. 
everything. I mean, the, the height of a sink in the bathroom to, you know, what pastors believe they can say from a pulpit to, I mean, fill in the blank, right? Fill in the blank, whether it's uh, what you can drive, what you can eat, whether you can use a plastic straw. I mean, you think about this. You list these things out, and it's preposterous. But they have so entrenched themselves that when you have a president who comes in or that's someone who's campaigning that's talking about changing Washington, talking about things like draining the swamp, I mean, there is no way that there's not going to be a clash there. There is no way that this is just going to go away quietly into the night. You are talking about two diametrically opposed ideologies, worldviews, one that says the state should continue to grow, should strengthen its grip, should put their tentacles into more aspects of their lives, of our lives, because in fact, they know better than us. They're so much smarter. They care so much more. They understand the world so much better. They can you know, manipulate where people go, what they make. They can redistribute wealth. They can create pure utopia in this country. They can, you know, provide free health care, free education. They can, Joe Biden thinks he can cure cancer, but he's only going to do it if you vote for him to be president of the United States. If not, he's going to keep that secret to himself and take it with him to the grave, right? This is the kind of nonsense that we've kind of set up. We've allowed to be set up around us. And so, if you have someone who's from the opposing ideological worldview, and they come in and they say, I am going to drain that. I am going to eradicate that. I am going to get rid of that nonsense. What do you think? You think that the other side is going to say, all right, we had our, our time in the sun. Let's just suck it up and take it on the chin. No, that is not what's going to happen. In fact, when they have their tentacles in all these areas that they do, they will use these things. They will use the rules and the their great uh, reach, their overreach, to, to get the things that they want. They will abuse their power to create the outcome that they want. At least theoretically, anyone should be able to follow this line of thinking and logic. And so I remember saying in 2016, and I say it again today, that if we think the deep state, the radical left, the, the lovers of big government – are going to concede to us. They're going to cede one metaphorical inch of what they've accumulated, of what they've built over the past decades. Without one heck of a fight, we are deceiving ourselves. We are deceiving ourselves. In fact, we are completely pulling the wool over our eyes. So this process of eradicating the tentacles, the deep reach of, uh, of, this, of this government – into our lives, this is a process. We are at the front end of this. This is going to happen gradually and slowly. 2016 didn't fix this. 2020, in a lot of ways, just revealed it. Excuse me, 2016. 2016, in a lot of ways, just opened the eyes of people. 2016, ironically for others, made them pull the blinders even further over the rise, now believing that the problem is the guy who's not been involved in government, who recently was elected. And look, I'm not saying the guy's perfect in every way. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that the idea that he's the one that's caused all this corruption and problem in Washington, D.C. is utterly laughable. And people who say these things are not being serious. I'm not saying you can't say that Trump is lying. 
But to talk as though there were no problems in our government, to talk as though that everything was running just as expected, everything was hunky-dory, apple pie, as my mom used to say when I was a kid. I guess that's where that came from. I don't even know. But to say these things and to act as though this is the, the way that it works and the way that Trump – Trump is the one that, of course, has made this into this great corrupt state. That's, that's really the narrative. And it's so bad that Jerry Nadler said last night as they're talking about impeachment, we can't, we can't leave this to chance going to uh, you know, ha- having an election because Trump has corrupted our elections. We actually have – so you think about it. Who are the ones calling for secret ballots in the Senate? Hmm? Who are the ones who are calling for secret ballots? That doesn't sound like a way to protect our democracy, right? For those who are screaming and crying about protecting, defending our democracy, being part of the resistance, resisting the Trump tyranny and all this, who are the ones that are calling for things like secret ballots? Who are the ones that are saying we can't leave the uh, – we can't leave the uh, – the, the, the fate of President Trump into the hands of the voters because he's manipulating the voting system. Remember when Trump said this in 2016, saying it was rigged, and all the commentators coming out and saying this is the gravest threat that the American, the American election system has ever faced. The president, or excuse me, the Republican nominee for president is calling into question the integrity of our elections. Oh my goodness. And they were gasping and they were appalled and they were Again, feigning outrage as they, as they love to do. And meanwhile, a few short weeks or months later, they're leading us down this path to where now, now anytime there's a vote on anything, if a Republican wins, the first question is, well, did the Russians help steal the election for him, for her, for whoever? Right? That's what we've created. Not us, by the way, by the, the deep state, the media, the radical left. And this was laughed off of stage when Trump said it back in 2016. So I want to go back. I can take a break here, but I want to go back in this show. I want to paint a picture of the landscape as I saw it back prior to 2016. Probably the way many of you saw it before 2016 as well. And I want to paint the picture here of what we're really dealing with. We don't view Trump as the one who created corruption and problems within our government. We believe that this goes a long, long way back, and there's a lot of things I want to get to, and I candidly don't even know if I've got time to get into all of it because the more I've sat and thought about it, the more things come to mind. So I actually have some notes jotted down. I never script anything, but I've jotted down some things I want to make sure I touch on. So as the program comes together, uh, the, rest of this, uh, the rest of this program comes together today, we'll, we'll touch on as many of these as we can. But I've got to take a timeout, as Oz has dutifully acknowledged over here, telling me it's time to take a break. So I'm going to do that. We'll return and talk about, uh, well, the landscape before 2016 and really the problems and the corruption that we faced long before Donald Trump ever even thought about coming down the escalator. Well, maybe he had thought about it, but he hadn't yet come down the escalator there at Trump Tower in New York City. But We'll get to that when we return. You're listening to the Home of Conservative, not Bitter Talk. Not Bitter Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute.
listener on Facebook, um, we were talking about people being stressed, stressed more by politics than anything else. With 70% of Americans saying this is the most stressful their life has ever been. Listener chimed in and said he thinks that many people may be stressed by politics because folks see what's going on and basically feel like there's nothing they can do about it. And that may be a great point. That may be a great point. I alluded to last segment that we're actually working on some things here um, to help, I guess I would say, empower empower people, uh, empower people in this, this audience elsewhere with some practical things that you can do to actually have a positive impact, uh, to actually not feel powerless. Because I understand in one sense, I mean, these, these are gigantic what, problems, obstacles, challenges. We're dealing with some, you know, nameless, faceless individuals in Washington, D.C., or maybe we don't even know where they are. We don't know who they are. We don't know, you know, this this bureaucratic state has expanded into all different areas. We've got problems within our states. We have problems within our local communities. We have problems within our federal government. And a lot of times these these problems come from people who are not elected. In fact, it's one of the problems one of the problems we've found with, um, I, I would say, in the in the Inspector General's report. In fact, I don't know if you saw this. I don't want to get off the path here too much on this, but I'm going to post both of these things. I want to post that survey on Facebook, and I'm going to or that that research where you can you can see what I'm referencing here. But I'm also going to post on Facebook this um, article. Yesterday, that was written in the New York Times. I'm going to post it. It was reposted at ms uh, msn.com. I'm going to post that version because sometimes, um, if you don't have a paid subscription to the New York Times, it is uh, you can't see the article. You should be able to see what I'm going to post from ms msn on msn from the New York Times. And basically, the New York Times folks, essentially, while they're not defending Trump per se. And the IG report findings, what they are doing is saying, look, what's happened and what has been uncovered in the inspector general's report is problematic with what we've allowed our government to get into. These, these uh, giving them the ability to effectively spy on or whatever you want to call it, investigate, um, get these warrant, uh, these, these FISA warrants on people without really any challenge whatsoever i think in 2018 the article said there was one there was one that was rejected so even the times the new york times the failing new york times as donald trump would say has been uh has a problem with what's been happening here with with the inspector general's report and in in particular with what's happened with uh these uh well, with, with what's been happening with the way that FISA warrants have been applied for, how easy it is for government agencies to spy on, you know, to spy on folks to get information that they, you know, shouldn't uh, maybe shouldn't be able to get without any justification for getting a warrant and so forth. So I'll, I'll post both of those things, but I want to get into I want to get into really painting the picture of what the what it looked like in 2016. What I think, you know. The people who loathe Donald J. Trump, the people that loathe him. And look, I understand some people. In fact, this is not uncommon for me. 
I encounter someone and they'll say, you know, I just, Trump's doing a great job. I don't like everything he does. I don't like the tweets. You know, I wish somebody would take the phone away from him. But man, I like what he's doing. Oftentimes, this will be a man telling me that. I'll know that this man is married. And I'll always want to know, what does your wife think? Because a lot of times, you know, they, they tell us suburban women, oh, suburban women, they just, they hate Donald Trump. These, these suburban women just can't stand Donald Trump. And I mean, almost without ex, uh, exception, they'll say, oh, she loves him too. Now, he's, she's, not, she's not fond of some of the things he says and, you know, he's been a womanizer or whatever. That's the kind of thing that they're saying. I'm just passing along what they're saying. That's their opinion. And so that is – that's what we're told, right? I mean this – it just – it flies in the face of, of what the media tells us, which is you know Trump losing – Trump losing women. People can see what he's doing. And the reason – the reason that they're so behind him is because he fits the mold, I guess you could say. He fits the mold of what – Folks who have been troubled by the size and scope of government have believed has been needed to be filled for their entire adult lives. And so Trump voters, before 2016, before the election, what Trump voters saw was a government out of control. What Trump voters saw was that no matter who was in the White House, there was really no change. And if there was change, it was change towards more government, right? It was Obama and his cell phone and his pen. Trump voters had been seeing the gradual erosion of liberty. Trump voters had seen that big government had been abusing its powers. They had seen the government growing, the bureaucratic state growing. They saw liberty and freedom shrinking. They saw free markets changing. They saw micromanaging happening within our free markets. They see, you know, they, they see... Uh, time uh, reports. Sorry, I just looked at the time here and said <laughs> said time. But they they see reports that show, you know, people who think that you know higher taxes, price controls, government regulations is needed in our economy, right? They see those things and they know the cost of that. They know how that they know how that affects people's ability to be innovative. They know the uh, barriers that creates to someone trying to enter in the marketplace with a new idea, a new concept. They've seen that business was terrified. Terrified. Business under the Obama administration was absolutely unequivocally terrified of what would happen next. They were holding on to cash. They weren't making investments. They were afraid to hire. They were afraid to expand. I guess unless they were in cahoots with the government. But by and large, these folks were terrified. They didn't know if there would be more expenses that were going to be levied upon them for take your pick, Obamacare, or who knows? Who knows? And that's how they thought. We can't expand because we don't know the true cost of what's going to happen next. And they lived in constant fear, in constant terror of what would happen 
what would happen because of our because of our government. We watched as religious liberty was attacked. We watched as the Second Amendment was under constant assault. We listened as Obama promised Medvedev that hey, after this election I'll have more I'll have more flexibility and can work with you. They watched as Susan Rice, we watched as Susan Rice went before the American people and told them, told us that what happened in Benghazi was a spontaneous event. Had nothing to do with terrorism because after all terrorism was destroyed because Barack Obama had killed Basically, personally, as a member of SEAL Team 6 himself, he killed effectively Osama bin Laden, thereby destroying and ending terrorism as we know it. So it couldn't have been terrorism. We watched this nonsense. We watched reports of airplanes full of cash landed in or near Iran to give them money, right? We watch all this stupid stuff. We watch pinky promises between Bill Clinton and Kim Jong-il at the time, promises of a nuclear-free Korean peninsula, and lo and behold, we don't have that now. Lo and behold, we have a, we have a rogue, communist, big government state that is a real threat in part because we made a pinky promise and signed a piece of paper, government again, government again leading us down a path of stupidity. Back in the 90s, we were taking the same tact and route with the Iranians under, under President Obama, under John Kerry, who, as Rush said, served in Vietnam. This was the landscape as we saw it in 2016 and before. Politicians were corrupt. We watched as politicians went to Washington, D.C., Sometimes people that we were very excited about only to see in a few short years, these folks became just like the rest of those in Washington, D.C. and were part of the problem themselves. The idea of limited government, the idea of lower taxes, the idea of liberty, the idea of religious freedom, of a strong Second Amendment, these things were ignored, ignored, eroded, attacked. For decades. For decades. So that was the lay of the land in 2016. And it, before that, this was stuff that we had seen, that we had experienced, that we had seen our country moving away from. You talk about the period of time in which we were moving away from the Constitution. It was done during that time. Some people seem more offended by the tweets than the actual movement away from the Constitution. And we didn't see it that way. We thought that this was such a mess, so out of control, that we needed someone with <laughs> a big personality and a uh, just a, a, a unquenchable desire to, to fix these problems. And so along came Donald J. Trump, and we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that after the break, but I've got to take a time out here. You're listening to the home of conservative, not better talk. I am your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Welcome back. Are you looking to buy or sell? If you're looking to sell your home, I know it's not the optimal time. Many people say wait until spring, but sometimes 
sometimes it may be a good idea to to do it now. And there's sometimes there's things that are unavoidable. Maybe you need to relocate for a job. Maybe um, you need to you need more space. Uh, maybe you need to downsize. There's all sorts of factors. I don't know. But if you're looking to buy, sell your home, buy another home, of course, sell the one that you're currently in, I encourage you to check out the good folks at Scott Smith Realty at Keller Williams on Indy's South Side. Indy's South Side. You can find out more information. Find out more information by visiting their website, scottsmithteam.com, 317-884-5000, 317-884-5000. So I want to get back to this conversation uh, about the, the lay of the land in 2016 and before that. You know, what's, what's in, incredible to me, what's incredible, truly incredible to me, is that some people act as though some people act as though that, um, again, everything was running perfectly. Government was just as it was supposed to be until Donald J. Trump walked onto the scene. And that is not reality, folks. That is absolutely not reality. We have watched a gradual expansion of the size and scope of the federal government for a long, long time, dating back decades Dating back decades, we've watched the gradual erosion of liberties. The, the, you know, the, real, the real danger comes when everyone is telling you everything is fine. The media is worried about the jump shot of the current president. The media is fawning over a particular speech and the cadence and the ease at which certain words are said and how people are fighting in the audience, Right? That's when bad things happen. That's when governments grow. That's when people aren't held accountable. It's not – look, the way that they've covered the Trump administration, the idea that this guy can get away with anything, to me, to me is really kind of nutty, right? I mean this guy has been under scrutiny, under surveillance. He's been spied upon. Oh, yes, he had a FISA warrant. Well, not him, but Carter Page, one of his uh, – one of the leaders of his – uh, campaign, of course. It wasn't him. It was to protect them, protect them from the evils of Russia, which, again, I'm not defending Russia. I'm just telling you the narrative, right? This wasn't to target Trump. This was instead to protect Trump and to protect our democracy from influence from foreign governments and leaders. Do you know back in 1984, Heritage, at the Daily Signal, Heritage Foundation or Heritage for Action, one of those two, had written about this back in 1984, then Senator Ted Kennedy, the lion of the Senate, the lion of the Senate, uh, who replaced John Kennedy. I mean, Ted Kennedy was a senator for 40-some years. Ted Kennedy actually was meeting with the Russians. There are documents on this. There's documentation on this. Russians are uh, the former Soviet Leaders wrote freely about this. There's some some records on this. You can check it out. In fact, maybe I'll post that too. I don't know. Probably will now that I said that. But you can go back and look. You talk about trying to influence the election. He went after. He, he, he actually sought out the Soviets and said, look, I need your help. KGB. We need KGB help to dig up dirt on President Reagan to try to get this guy 
you know, to, to, to defeat him in 1984 because, because Reagan is going to lead us into World War III. Of course, the left saw Reagan as the problem back in the 1980s. They didn't see the maniacal, out-of-control Soviet leaders as the problem. Didn't have any problems with shoes being pounded on the podium by, was it Brezhnev? Right? None of that stuff bothered them. Cuban Missile Crisis, ah, no big deal. Right? Nuclear tests, expansion of a government, Marxism. Ex- you know, when I say expanding of a government, I mean taking over, uh, you know, parts of, parts of Europe, expanding, growing, threatening their neighbors, trying to expand communism. No problem. Reagan, Reagan instead was the problem. Just like today, Trump is the problem. Not the deep state. No, no, not the deep state. Not the, not the corrupt FBI, right? The folks who are making decisions there, whether they be lower level folks, and I'm not castigating the entire group of, by, by no means, but there are individuals in positions of leadership and some lower level folks that have made decisions that are clearly outside the role, the scope, the job of the FBI. Those have been identified in this report. So anyway, we the problems of the government, the problems of the real problems that we faced that were uh, that that the constitutional republic faced were in existence long before President Trump came onto the scene, came down the elevator. Those problems were precisely precisely the results of what we've been having for a long time and some people are more offended by the tweets more offended by some of the pressers the press conferences the tension him saying fake media fake news they're more offended by that i guess they're content if no one's making a fuss about things that are happening behind the scene but happening right before our eyes the erosion of our constitutional republic i guess those things are less troubling to people I guess when they see a president fight back, when they see a president demand that our government not grow in these certain ways, when they see the president call uh, for the draining of the swamp, that sends them into – that triggers them, I guess, sends them into some sort of a panic mode, a stress mode. But if you take away their liberties one by one over time and no one makes a fuss about it, there's not a tweet about it. No one gets upset about it. I guess they're fine with that. That's the, that's the conclusion that we're left with. People are upset when they're told they should be upset. And that's really what this comes down to. Anyway, Oz is over here waving at me like it's cra- like I'm crazy. I'm way past time. She's right. Got to take a time out. You're listening to the home of conservative, not better talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. <laughs> So for those who voted for Trump, for those who agreed with the sentiments that I've shared throughout this program as to what the real landscape looked like prior to 2016, the size and scope of government, the growing bureaucratic state, the threats to freedom. Look, Ronald Reagan said that freedom is always just one generation away from extinction, and it's the job it's the job of the current uh, the current generation to pass it on to the next generation. 
And the real threats to this did not come in the form of Russian collusion with Vladimir Putin. The real threat to liberty and freedom did not come from a call with Ukraine. What the threat has been and will continue to be unless we do something about it is the overarching, out-of-control, growing federal government. And I would include in that even growing state and local governments, again, depending upon where you live. Government is a risk, a threat in all, all of its forms, but it's at its greatest risk at the largest level, which is the federal, the federal government. And so the real risks have been percolating behind the scenes for a long time, for, for decades, for generations. And so you'll forgive us if we think that the real problem to our – the real threat, I should say, to the constitutional republic, or if you prefer, our democracy is not President Trump, but rather the ideas of growing an out-of-control bureaucratic state, which is what we've had for a long, long, long time. And folks, I think sometimes we've been lulled to sleep here. I'm going to go back to that article, and I've got to take a break here. Go back to that article at the beginning that I referenced, the study that said 8 in 10 Americans are stressed about politics, which I get. I do get. I'm not diminishing that to a point. But this is the cost of living in a free society. Benjamin Franklin told the, the woman after the convention, she said, sir, do we have a democracy or a republic? And he said, a republic, as long as you can keep it. This is the cost. We have to fight. These things on autopilot tend to move towards a government growing. <clears throat> and I've talked about that in the past. I don't have time to talk about that. Now I've got to take a break. You're listening to Conservative Not Bitter Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. That it that we must pay to defend liberty, and I'm not. I'm you know normally we say the the cost of uh, you know folks that serve in the military uh, they step up to defend the foundational aspects of this country, which is absolutely true. By the way, they are defending this nation um, and and standing in the way of those who seek to. Take away the freedoms, the God-given freedoms that we have here. So that is one way, of course, an important way of, of defending freedom. But there's another way that we all have to participate. And that way is making sure that we keep our republic. That way is making sure that we pass on to the next generation the beauty of the freedoms that we have here. And sometimes that means things get a little tense. And sometimes that means there might be a little bit of fighting and back and forth. That's why it's good that you've tuned into conservative, not bitter talk, because this is not personal. But it doesn't mean it's not a fight that we don't have to have. We have to have this. We have to be prepared to persuade. You know, a lot of folks think, how can I do? They look, how, how can I affect and move the needle? They look at this in a macro sense. But what if I was to tell you that the best way to move the needle is to affect those and your own circle of influence. And I think that's what we need to get to. But guys, I've got to go. Have a great day. SDG. See you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Take care.